And now, here's this episode of the Elevating IT Podcast, sponsored by Audit. And welcome to our live recording of the Elevating IT Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Brooks. If you're listening to the recording, welcome. Um, I have with me today some cool dudes. Thank you guys for being here. David Spire, first of all, from Entech in Florida. And you are a partner and the VP of, wait a minute, let me not mess this up, VP and Chief Development Officer at Entech. And Eric, I, uh, Eric Burendorf, I swear I hope I pronounced your name right, my friend. Close, Please close enough. Me. All right, say say your name for me, so I because I, I should be embarrassed for not getting it right at this point. Burendorf. Burendorf. Oh, yeah. Man. You know, and I've known you long enough. I should be getting your name right by now. So That's my apologies okay. to you. And Eric is from, uh, and he's been on the show before. He's been with us before. So thank you for being here again. Um, and you have yourself as business and technology strategist, um, and your but your company is Evernet. It's your company, correct? Yeah, I'm the I'm the sole owner. We're a small IT boutique IT company um, centered in Hartford, Connecticut. But we're starting to reach out. We just picked up a, a client uh, in Seattle, new client in Tampa. So we're starting to cover uh, all of the country at this point. Oh, right on, right on. And and uh, David, you are in Florida. What's the uh, you know? Me and Eric are both in Connecticut. So my favorite question. Oh, Mike, friend, I forgot that you're in Connecticut too. Where, you're down. You're down in Greenwich. I'm in Southbury, so I'm I'm the halfway between you and Greenwich. I'm closer to you then. But uh, David is in Florida. So my favorite question for folks in Florida is, what's the temperature? Well, t- today it's uh, very cold for Florida. We're in the, the high 40s, but it's uh, yesterday I think it was almost 80. Yeah. Oh, we're, we're, we're struggling down here. The struggle is real in January. Don't get me started. I keep, I just keep telling my wife, like, why, why do we live here? <laughs> It was so cold yesterday. It was painful to be outside. Uh, I've been I've born and raised in Connecticut, essentially. I've you know, and I even went to college in Burlington, Vermont, which is like tw- like an hour away from uh, the Canadian border. And I just, I, if I could do it all over again, I would have gone to college in Miami or Austin or San Diego. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. Well, guys, thanks for being on today with me. Um, I've, I've spoken to you all before and, and the idea here is to, uh, just talk business today, talk about what's going on. I think, you know, the beginning of the year here is a great time to kind of reset a little bit and talk about what is going on as we go into the new year, which is a crazy, I don't know that. It's, it's we're, I feel like we're in COVID part two, you know, everybody's kind of going back into lockdown sort of, and, and we have the bright side of, we, me and David were t- talking before about the vaccines coming out. So, I mean, there's some positivity. We're into t- t- 2021, but it feels like we're, we're back again where we were in March in a way or April. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear from you guys and just chat about business in general. So let me let me just start. I'll throw this out there. Whichever one of you guys wants to kind of pick up the ball and take it is just how's how was your year end? How did things go for the year of 2020? 
I'll take a back seat, Dave, if you want to, right. you want to lead. Sure. Sure. I'll, I'll dive on this one. So, uh, tail end of the year for us was super strong. I mean, we, we struggled through the second quarter, I think as most people did, uh, we, but we continued to stay positive through it and continue, especially from a sales and marketing perspective, uh, put the work in every day. Um, and you know, for us, we were able to, to finish the year and still hit our revenue targets, which was, um, we're very grateful for needless to say. Um, and we were able to have really strong client retention as well. And so I think that was probably our biggest concern early on is what's it going to look like? What's the downstream impact as it relates to retention? Um, and, you know, I, I think that was our biggest um, win and surprise as it relates to finishing out the year strong. For us, um, we, it, it was like, um, it's kind of like 2000, 2010, 2012, kind of all over again um, after the recession of 2008. Because we're a tertiary service, you know, the way the money flows is you've got the consumer, the consumer spends, buys professional services. You know, we're, our, our client base is predominantly professional services, doctors, lawyers, things like that. Um, so at least in 2008, for example, the consumer ran out of money somewhere around 2008, 2009. There's a little bit of a lag. And then when they run out of money, they stop spending on services. Um, then there's a little bit of a lag. And then uh, the services stop buying services. So being, again, that tertiary service provider. Um, I remember in like it was like August 2012, you know, July, we were just jamming, jamming, jamming. And then August 2012, just like it's like the phone stopped ringing or something. Fortunately, we didn't experience that. And I don't know yet if we're just we haven't hit the lag yet. Um, I know, you know, I was watching the airline industry really closely um, all year, seeing if that was going to be a kind of a bellwether as to what the economy was going to do and that sort of thing. So going into March, um, you know, we had some clients that, you know, they wanted to hit the pause button, you know, they wanted to suspend services or just, you know, just pause. And, um, you know, we, it's not that we were, it wasn't in their best interest. So we, we explained that to, you know, it really wasn't in their best interest because, um, you know, the administrative costs and all these things, and we ended up being right and they ended up resuming. So a lot of words to say, we, we held on to our, our client base because they were still holding on too. Um, so our year from, I don't want to say our year was good because it was a shitty year. Um, for everybody, it was hard just emotionally, whatever, what we're all going through. But from a business perspective, um, I think we're all kind of holding on. The question I have is what's the next quarter going to look like? What's the next two quarters going to look like? If these vaccines don't, um, come down fast enough, if things don't start resuming to some level of normalcy, I just wonder if that lag that I described that happened in 2012 after the recession, is that, is that going to be our fate, you know? Interesting. David, I want to throw it back to you. And if you have any comments on, on that, please feel free. But, you know, it brings up a good point where we had to all probably deal with, and I'm sure you dealt with it, David, as well, it, it, clients who are coming to you and want to cut services. I think everybody dealt with that, whether it's your, whether your client needed to or not. I think this whole thing made people think about, do I need to do this? Do I need to 
expand? Do I need to, what do I need to do? So how did you deal with that when that happened to you? And how do you, you know, do you have a, a new plan to deal with it going forward? Yeah, I, I to, to one of Eric's points, I think that um, geography has a lot to do with it, right? So people being in different states, different different locations and how how businesses are dealing with it. And I think how the general public is dealing with it probably is a pretty big indicator in all of this. Um, for, for us early on, we immediately uh, tried to figure out how do we how do we create a hibernation type of plan for our clients, as you know, as Eric just mentioned, to uh, put them on pause. We did have um, a couple take advantage of it, but um, as soon as they were able to, and they were in industries that were shut down, which you know, you had no choice at that point. Um, you, you had to try and work with them because yeah, no what else do you do? Right. So, yeah. Um, and we want to, we want to sustain it and, and weather the storm with them. And so as soon as they were able to resume business as the new normal, if you will, um, you know, obviously we, we were there to, to help uh, go through that. So um, in Florida right now, again, and we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, all indications are that the businesses are going to re remain open the way that, the way that they have been over the last several months, although I did hear a news um, article um, or story this morning that the cases in Florida spiked yesterday to an all-time high. Um, so who knows, right? I mean, it, it's it's hard to say. Um, right now, I, I believe everybody down here is relatively bullish on continuing um, to do what we're doing, but certainly everyone is careful and aware. Um, and so, um, you know, how, however, we're, we're all choosing to run our businesses, whether it's, you know, everybody's working remotely or a per permissive work from the office or everybody back in the office. I know that for us, most of our clients are um, relatively whole staff, you know, back back in the office, but they've they've made adjustments um, to do it in a more um, socially responsible way, we'll say. And um, so we're 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 we're. A, we're attacking it that that same way, right? So we're, we're meeting them where they're at, and um, I think that it's, you know, to, to Eric's point, also it's it's been it's been tough because of the administrative changes that we've had to put in place and focus on things that are very reactive and um, how we're doing with, how we're dealing with family matters we've never had to deal with before and contact tracing and how many people we can have on site to work on projects together and you know how we how we deal with all of that, not just for our team but for our partners teams as well and our, and our clients. And so it's, it's been, it's been a massive distraction just on how you do the right thing day to day um, beyond distraction. Yeah. I mean, without sounding ins insensitive, that is from a admi business administration standpoint. Um, could, yeah, that's a perfect word for it. Yeah. In fact, that's if I can, if I can add to that, not to cut exactly. it off. Um, Mike, before you, you called me for this, in this meeting, um, my HR manager said, Hey, and I'm, you know, part of me is embarrassed that we're, we're doing it now, but part of, you know, part of our credo is to, we're, we don't try to act emotionally to a lot of, you know, we, we deal with urgency every day, every week, we have somebody calling us with their hair on fire. So we really have a culture of being become voice of reason and, you know, to manage the challenges that we're all facing and, and what our clients face from crypto locker and ransomware. And I mean, fortunately not often in that vector, but you get what I'm saying. So my HR manager emails me says, or message me says, Hey, 
there's a sense on the team that, you know, our, our team is so great that they've, they really faced um, the on-site service, service calls and projects and thing, all the work that we had to do on site. They really faced it with real, real courage is really what I'd say. My team is just, they're just an amazing bunch of people. Um, but, you know, after almost a year into it, we're nine months into this, you know, they said we, we just had a, a client re, um, request an onsite call and immediately I, prior to the call said, hey, just so you know, somebody's out with COVID. Oh. So it just, you know, it's, it's scary. We, it's always scary. But when somebody says like, you know, you know, oh, you're going to be passing through the room or, you know, I mean, it's that it's that fear, you know. Um, so my HR manager said, hey, I don't know about you, David, but we don't we haven't had a COVID exposure survey that we were sending to our to our clients prior to dispatching resources. Uh, are you guys doing that or not? No. So my HR manager said today, like, she, you know, they're just great. And if I had, if I would have pushed back on it and said, you know, we're not going to do that to our clients or it's too bureaucratic or we've all had them, you know, sense and we, and we all, everybody can lie on You know, it's a total, you know, uh, volunteer kind of, it's elective to be honest on them or whatever. So I thought about it, but in support of my team, I made the decision to implement a mechanism where, um, you know, we use um, an auto, uh, we use a ticketing system that allows us to communicate and kind of document everything really orderly. So I was just, just before this call, I was building out a, this, that kind of questionnaire to send to our clients um, before uh, an on-call service happens. That sounds fair. I mean, there's nothing unfair about I'll no, and in fact, that's the language that I put in the email. I said, thank you, uh, not, maybe not fair, but it was like, thank you for your, you know, thank you for your patience and understanding, you know, for while we, while this temporary measure, you know, while we ask you to participate in this temporary measure. And, you know, we, we, um, we went through a major transformation as a company and a culture over the last five years. And the clients we have are so great. They're so um, part of our, effort for them you know we we um we had a much larger client base um five or more five and more years ago because the culture back then was well you know everybody's a potential client and i made the concerted decision about four or five years ago that that really wasn't working for us we we really there's a there really is a and there really is a truth to more isn't better so uh, I don't know if you if you're following. I'm 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 being diplomatic and gentle in how I'm saying. So, anyways, the the client base that we have really partner with us well and engaging with us, um, communicating with us, and understanding kind of where we're coming from to help them. Interesting. Now, so let's talk a little bit about that because I think that's important right now. You know, as we're as we're going in the, we're in the beginning of January, what. What are your plans? And, and David, I'll kind of talk. Share, Eric shared a little bit about this already, but David, what are you, what are you putting in place to make sure that you know your employees are protected that have to go on site? Because you have to go on site. I mean, that's that's the deal. It's like I, you know, I came off the road. <laughs> I've been I've been at my house. I don't have to go anywhere. So you're in gym shorts right now, aren't you? I'm I'm not in any shorts, Eric. You don't want to even know. You don't want to know what I'm in. Uh, it's uh, it, it, you're lucky I came out of hair and makeup on time. So, um, David, what, we talked a little bit about this 
before we we went live here and and maybe you can bring up some of the stuff we were talking about but what what are you going to do going forward keep your people safe keep you know and and make sure that your clients are protected and and you know from your state is different than our state how how you're doing things so i'd love to love to hear more about that yeah so i'm not leading the charge of on this, thank goodness. Um, but what I do know is, you know, our leadership team is very, um, very active in monitoring CDC guidelines, which are changing frequently. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that there's there's a component of the, of it that we do internally, just as a course of everyday business, making sure that um, both our our in office workers, which um, we're probably at about thirty percent capacity that are that are back at the office at any given time. But we we just had this come come up in our quarterly planning session yesterday about as people start to come back a little bit more, maybe changing shifts and rotating uh, just to just to limit the amount of time um, that there is potential exposure, right? Uh, in, in, a, in a tight workspace. Um, one of the things that we did um, is we leveraged the downtime and we're, we, we've got two offices. So we have one in Fort Myers and one in Bradenton, which is just south of Tampa. So we're on the west coast of Florida. Um, our Fort Myers office, um, we had really out outgrown and we used the opportunity to renovate the whole thing. So we gutted it and changed the, the entire footprint of it to uh, make it much more open air. Uh, and along with that, redid the desk, the desk systems and um, put, put the dividers up that we needed to do. So that it was, it was perfect timing for that because you just really can't shut an office down to do that kind of thing uh, and still sustain, sustain business. So it, it made it really nice to be able to, to leverage that. So those are, those are a couple of things that we've done, of course, you know, PPP and and proper sanitation and upping our our cleaning game and all the stuff that goes along with that. So that, that's that's what we're doing internally to, to protect our team. Um, you know, it's again learning how changes are taking place. You know, what what is exposure? Um, you know, to, to Eric's point, understanding when when uh, clients have somebody that has um, been exposed to it. I, th I think probably one of the the biggest, um, well, it's the biggest, one of the most interesting uh, things that we've experienced is um, how I think early on it was treated like um, almost like leprosy. Like if oh, somebody had COVID, like you wanted to, you know, you just didn't know. Sure. Um, now, now there's, there seems to be a sense of like, um, I don't even know the right word, like humility and like, oh man, like understanding. There's just like massive understanding down here if it does happen. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's happening through personal through personal interactions, right? And coming out of the holidays, and um, so, you know, for us, it's it's just about awareness. It's about an ongoing conversation about about being smart. Um, you know, again, it's such divided views on it. As you know, we've got um, we've got about forty people on our team, and so when you get a, a group of about that size, um, you get all different walks of life, and you've got some people that, that don't want to leave the house, and you got other people that think the whole thing's a scam. So. How do, you, how do you make how do you make all the people happy all the time and you just don't and so we have to you know we've been we've been blessed with a wonderful organization and great people and it's our responsibility to protect them and so we take it very seriously and, and the same goes and goes for our clients you know we've got clients that believe this the same way on on, on, on each end of the spectrum and um, we have to meet them where they're at to help them that's, what do you do what like before i pass it over to you eric i'm just curious you know just my my, my mind to get around this right like because let's say you go into you go into an office with with um, where people are serious about it. They're all wearing masks. They're, it's easy to know what to do, right? You're gonna go and you're gonna wear masks because they're you know that they want that. 
But what, do you, what about the people who, who think this is a hoax? You're going into their office and wearing a mask. Are they mad at you? You know, I'm just curious, you know. You're, you're, you're playing with fire, Mike. Like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> here, I mean, you know, you're, you're here in Connecticut. You know, to answer your question, a lot of it depends on the people. I, I, I actually had a new prospect meeting uh, probably about three weeks ago when we walked in. No one in the, it was it was a law firm and none of the none of the folks in the law firm um, had any masks or anything on. We walked in with with them on uh, and they said, if you'd like to remove them, you can. And, it, you know, it was they they understood that like. And, and so for us, once we got into the room and, and there was plenty of space, we, we did take them off. It was a little bit easier to talk and understand. Um, had it been tight quarters, we wouldn't have because I knew I was going back to the office and I didn't know where those people had been. And so, again, I think so much of it goes back to the education and the understanding of um, who you're with, who you're around, what your what your um, environment looks like. And, and you know, it's, it's more of a social obligation at this point, not, not so much a business obligation. I don't believe it's. Because you don't, you know, it's, I'm almost curious. Like I'm thinking of it from a, a um, as a salesperson, right? Like you want to, you want to make the other person comfortable. You want to, you want there's there's certain things you want to do. You want to mirror you all these sales techniques, and it comes down to getting them to want to like, getting them to like you. And the last thing you want to do is go in there and go, you have to wear a mask, or yeah. you're wearing a mask, and and I don't like you because I don't believe in this. You, Listen, you know, this like, is. This is like this is a hot potato that we're all juggling. You know? Yeah, and I think people who are listening, this is good stuff because I'm sure somebody's listening to this or watching this, going, you know, I, I want to make sure I'm, I, I have the right tools in my toolbox. You know, so I, yeah, I mean the the in such a wild, um, I'll say last year, and for some maybe you might say last four years. Um, you know, the country, I don't think anybody would de deny that the country has been in very divided in a lot of ways. Um, and, but in a lot of ways, this kind of awful thing kind of unites us in a way. <laughs> and the irony yeah. is that to maintain distance. <laughs> so it's like a wordplay that just can goes around and around. But we're all managing this hot potato. You know, we're, we're all... I'm about to alienate my clients prior to um, dispatching a technician on site by saying you need to fill out the survey. You know, um, I mean, we're all, you know, some people think it's a pandemic. Some people think it's a conspiracy. Some people think it's not happening, you know, and, and, and I'm the first to admit that in a lot of ways I went through kind of that um, educational evolution as well. I mean, I remember the early days. I, I remember thinking, well, come on, this is nothing more than a cold or a flu, you know, um, sure, the the comorbid, uh, that's the word that they use, that um, the, the really susceptible and vulnerable people that are passing away from this disease are people with comorbidity, which is um, more than one, um, I guess, disease um, or life-threatening disease, if over, uh, overweight and diabetes or something, you know. Um, so at first it was like, well, of course, I mean, the, the sick and the weak would die from, you know, I mean, they were doing that, you know, people were, people die from the flu, you know? Um, and then you go through the evolution and we all went through this summer and the learning, and then you're, you're trying to parse the information and all the while we're trying to, to manage offices and staff and relate client relationships. Um, I celebrate for one. I mean, I'm a germaphobe in my own right, and I'm I'm thrilled that the handshake is dead. I call it hand sex, like that. The fact that we don't have to have hand sex with strangers now, just you know, just to be professional, like 
I, I, I'm really hoping to bow, um, you know, takes hold, you know, or just like the, the professional nod or whatever. I don't do the elbow. I don't know who came up with the elbow because, um, you have to be, you have to close your proximity even more than a handshake in order to tap elbows. So, um, when somebody throws an elbow at me, they're, they're, they're getting, they're getting the little fist bump on their elbow and then the awkward looks that you get from that. So it's, it's, I like the bow. I, I, I did martial arts my whole life and, and we always bowed and you look person in the eye, you bow. I think that's always very respectful. I always loved that. So I'm, I'm voting for the bow to come. Yeah, it, it's I'm, I'm, I do the um, oh, God, what's the um, Robert Redford movie where he was out? He was he was the mountain man. And there's a there's a gift that circulates where he does this kind of like appreciative nod you know like i'm not doing i'm not doing the karate bow but i'm doing kind of like i don't know the american businessman bow bow or whatever you know it's it's like i see you i acknowledge you i smile and i'm and my nod says please don't close any more than six feet to me you know what i mean (laughs) Um, yeah yeah but fortunately and listen i um i'm a pilot so i um, I fly with in close proximity and I was doing some flying during, during this and we were thinking the masks and, and it was earlier days when, when, when some people thought that the masks were, were kind of a, a fakeness or a fake component to this or an unnecessary component to it. Um, but, um, like I said, it's a hot potato we're all dealing with. So no matter where you fall on the spectrum, if you don't believe in masks and somebody's approaching you with a mask on, it's at minimum a social courtesy to um, echo. I would think, anyways, to mirror or respond or match the the distance high bar. Is it you or you know the the high bar, whatever it is? Yeah. You know what I mean. It's just if a you, weird one, you know. If you have like, if if you Eric are have a health problem and you're wearing a mask and you're very concerned with it and you feel now you are compelled to sit in a sales opportunity or, or you're, you're with a client who is totally the other end of the spectrum and is insulted by your mask wearing, you're putting yourself in harm's way technically by removing the mask, right? And that now it's you're 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 not just dealing with a courtesy thing. That's interesting. Mike, I can't speak for everybody else, but I've made all of the decisions in my life so far that I would never sacrifice my integrity, my life, or my family for a sale. Yeah. You, you know? Yeah. So what Eric, what sorry to catch up, what you're saying earlier, right? I mean, I think we all we all want to do business. You know, one of one of my criteria used to be they gotta be nice. Right. I don't care how much money you want to spend. If they're not nice, like we work too hard to deal with people that aren't nice and in a whole different way. That links like, to my earlier. Yeah. Yeah. It really, I mean, at the, in, in, I remember years ago, I, I had somebody come to me and ask me like, what's one piece of business advice as a startup. And I was like, the hardest thing you're ever going to have to do is say no to people early on. Don't chase the dollars because you'll get married to them and you'll, you'll promise yourself when I replace that client with a new one, that's nicer. I'll get rid of the, the, the bad one. And it's really hard to do once you've created that. That, that is culture. exactly the thing that I was talking to. Yeah. The point that I was talking to. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that in, in a different way, like it's converting that, like if, if I had somebody that was, if, if one of, one of our staff or a sales rep or even myself, if we walked into something and they felt very compelled because of, because they just believe strongly wearing the mask or their family members have, you know, a, a weakened immune system and, you know, more susceptible to, um, to the illness. 
and somebody said, you know, I'm not interested in doing business with you because you wouldn't take your mask off during the meeting. I'd say, let's not even take a second meeting, right? Thank you so much for letting us Thank know. You. That Thank you. Thank you for putting it in so many words. Yeah. yeah. And you saved me a lot of trouble because like. You're not the kind you of the person. Way? And listen, yeah. I, I built my I built my business. I'm the sole owner of my company. I built my business starting with client one. So I know what one, when you have one client and you go to your second sales meeting with your second potential client, you're about to double the size of your business. So I understand what that means. And I, and I, if for whomever may be watching this saying, you don't understand, like I'll, I'll risk my, you know, maybe I have made some risk, you know, I, I know I've risked it all so many times on this damn business, but not, you know, when it comes to, like I said, my integrity or my family or my health, I think there's, I think that's where the line is. And I, I wish anybody else who feels compelled to take their mask off when they don't want to, or they may feel like they're putting themselves at risk for a sale. I, I feel sorry for that person who feels that they might have to do that. Yeah. And I think Mike, what, what you were saying earlier, right? It's a, it's a sensitivity to be able to read the room. So where we used to read the room to say, Hey, what's this person's personality style? Are they a high D, a high S, a high C? The matching and mirroring and understanding hearing the words that they're saying you know, truly listening to them i think this is a whole new way of of listening to the environment understanding pay attention when you walk in what, what are what are the other colleagues inside of that organization doing is it just the person out front or is it everybody is this you know what's the what's the temperature of the prospect or the client on the subject and it's something that we need to train all of our people to pay attention to i, I would submit though that we're as professionals um we're all kind of tuned to doing that naturally anyways right I mean, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if you're, I mean, even if you have a surf shop as a client, right, David, your, your guys are not going in flip flops and a tank top, right? All right. That's cool. This, this was, you know, I didn't expect to talk about the hot potato topic, but I think this is actually now that we brought it up, brought it up and we talked about it. I thought, I think it was a really good topic to talk about because it's, I can imagine if I, you know, I'm not going out and putting myself in those situations doing face-to-face -face stuff. I know in the MSP world, you guys have no choice. You have to do a technical assessment to sell your service. You can't do a remote technical assessment, right? Unless I'm, and correct me if I'm wrong about that, but I haven't met an MSP yet who can't do technical assessment. I mean, we, we're doing a lot remotely, Mike. We're doing a lot remotely. Talk yeah. about that then. Share, share what you're doing because I think that's valuable. I think, you know, I... I march to the beat of my own drum. I always have. It's just the kind of person I am. Um, I am not, I don't think we, of us as a um, mainstream or traditional MSP. Um, the term kind of makes me cringe, to be honest with you. Um, we're, we're a services, we're a managed services provider, but the way in which we implement that and execute that for our clients is not what our competitors are doing. It's not the, it's not the standard uh, playbook that um, the typical MSP does because I, and if this is, and I apologize if this, this is not meant to be an insult to anybody who, who might be, you know, it's just some of the MSP stuff is, um, I think a little predatory, a little um, built on the FUD of the thing, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And um, that's just not my approach. Um, so, you know, we, you know, we have a client that, um, you know, is out of state or away from us ge geographically. Um, 
you know, we're fully capable. Yeah, we can't tell if somebody put a coffee maker on the server, you know, um, which I always use that as a joke because we have, you know, we have a bunch of small businesses. And back when the Microsoft small business server was running, you know, everybody's business, I literally re remember we went into an office in between our last services and and somebody had put the coffee maker on top of the, ser the server. Um, so, no, we can't do that. Of course, see, all the physical things you need to do, you can't do. Um, but if you are, um, you know, in our case, we're getting called because the, the former vendor is, has dropped the ball or has uh, not under communicated or, or some for whatever reason, the client has has a has, has to feel has feels like they have to move on. So we get called and they kind of do a lot of them come and say, OK, do you need to come do the walkthrough and do all this stuff? I'm like, no, we really don't. We just you know, we can do um a whole audit um, from a logical sense um, remotely. And we only dispatch when we, you know, when it, and I don't want to get too specific because it's some of our secret sauce, but um, in short, I would say we don't march to that typical MSP drum, you know what I mean? So no, we have clients who call us and we say, no, we can, we, we can get a full picture of your entire um, network and, and situation take control of it, secure it, support it. And yeah, when we need to dispatch, we'll dispatch. And David, do you do your, can you do remote technical assessments? Uh, I think we can, we, we choose not to most of the time. Um, for, for us, we, we've got a smaller geographic footprint we're focused on. Uh, so we're just, we stay relatively close. I mean, we do, we do have clients, like Eric, we have clients out of the area. Um, 100% of them have their main operation inside of our geography. And so, um, whereas, you know, our, I used to say our largest or our, our furthest west was Los Angeles. It's pretty far, far distance from from Florida. Um, but but the core of their operations sat here. And so we only had to figure out how to, to address the last mile. So um, to your question, Mike, uh, for us, the the technical assessment is much as much about developing the relationship as it is about the technical fines. And so we, we do choose to still do that on site and not remote, even though you know, we could. Do it remote. Um, where we have made adjustments to it is, it's given me an opportunity to really enforce and impress on my salespeople um, that they had, they need to earn the right to get that resource on site. Where it used to be easier for them to um, have weak a weak qualification process and say, yeah, let's do the assessment because it felt like it was the next logical step, but they hadn't done their piece yet to earn that right yet. And so. Um, if there's been any benefit of all this, it's, it's forced them to do their job better and to earn the right. Because I say to them, every time we roll an engineer out on site, we're putting one more of our of our teammates at risk. Right. So let's make sure if you're going to win this, you know, you better win it if we're going to send them out. Um, and so that's we're, we're doing them, but we're, we're certainly doing them with less frequency. And really, we're asking the question, do you do you really need this assessment to win the deal? And in a lot of cases, at the Eric's point, we don't have to come in, you know, as an industry, like, listen, colleagues, peers in, in the, the service provider industry, you don't have to scare people into doing business with you. You just don't. And so I think that the assessment um, is a great way of creating a roadmap and showing them how you're different, how you can identify things. But it's not about trying to scare. They call and Most of the time they're calling us. Right. I mean, if, if we're knocking on doors, we're really not compelling people to, to take meetings with us, and do business with us just because. We like to think we're funnier and better looking, but they're usually not buying because of that, right? And so 
there's a there's a there's a pre-existing condition that's triggered them to reach out to you or to to engage in that meeting at that time, even if we did make that call. Uh, in the technical assessment, it should be developing the roadmap to inform your strategy and your plan and how you're helping them consult. It's not about like look at what a terrible job you know your your current provider is doing. I'm so inspired to hear you say all of that because <laughs> sometimes, yeah. David, I I I read what the, you know I read and I I have various peer groups and things that I'm observing. And uh, it's really nice to hear you say that because um, that hasn't really been the playbook for a lot of years. Yeah. You know, it's been that predatory, hostile, get in there. Um, and I, I have colleagues that work for competitors who I uh, are pers close personal friends of mine who still employ some of those tactics. And it's just not, it's not, I'm never the hard sale. I'm just not. And, but I, I need to get paid for my time too. That's the other thing I was going to say is that a technical assessment, we get paid to do those. So we don't do those for free because the reason being is that is paid knowledge from us. You're, you're buying our knowledge. I'm not going to, we don't, I can't run a company very long by giving our knowledge away for free. And that's the reality of that. So those technical assessments that we do do, um, they're paid. And what they, the, the prospect, the prospective client can do is they can take those technical assessments and they can um, use that as the guidebook to start our relationship, or they can take that to hold it up against another technical assessment they may have gotten for free and say, well, you know, Evernet, Eric at Evernet, they, they really have their stuff together or they, they look or they, or they don't. I mean, and, um, but one or the other, there's value to that time. I, we don't give it away. That's for sure. So um, great, love it. All right, guys. So we're we're about to wrap up. Come on, let's not wrap. I could do this. For all, I could do this all day, Mike. I got it. You know, hey, we're we're do we're we're not doing this for free either. Well, we are doing it for free, but we got to give people a reason to come back and listen again. So uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna do part two, part three, part four. I mean, because you guys are great, Eric. You've been on a couple times, David. This is your first time, but I got to have you on again because you're great. So here's what I want to do to wrap it up. I want you to give your best piece of advice to your fellow peers, some words of encouragement, whatever you want to do, just, you know, as you're going forward, as we're all going forward into 2021, trying to make it a great year, what do you recommend for your MSP peers? I'll start with David. Oh boy, I got to go first. All right. My, uh, my, my best piece of advice, goodness, uh, I'd like to say as a community, let's stop trying to compete on price. Drive value, right? Great. Drive value, value, value. Because um, in my in my experience, people don't understand how to buy our services. They don't understand how to appreciate our services. And so, what they try and do is they try and distill it down and let's get everything equal. And then we make a decision based on price and price alone. And ultimately, um, while we all we all do the same types of services, to Eric's point, we all deliver them differently. We all have our secret sauce. Um, figure out what your value proposition is and don't just take your next closest competitor's proposal and shave 20 points off of it and think that you're going to do somebody a great job because we've seen that in our market. And you want to talk about predatory, it's ridiculous, right? So be creative as an industry, guys. Like quit stealing each other's ideas and just, you know, be creative. Uh, I'll, I'll say to that that um, the relationship piece for us um, I, I always, you know, I always tell my people that we, you know, the technology stuff is easy. I, I mean, I've been an engineer. I'm the, probably the biggest nerd you guys would ever know. 
but I, I just love technology. I love business and I love the two, the marriage of the two. Um, but, uh, you know, so me saying the technology piece is the easy piece may just be because it comes easy to me, but, you know, for us, we're, you know, we're a team of technical, um, technologists and the technology is the easy piece. What I tell my people and they, they well know now that it's, we're really in the business of relationships. So when we go in and, or when we, when I communicate with a, you know, a prospective client, I feel so comfortable in speaking to them. You know, I started implementing an onboarding fee, a uh, new client onboarding fee last year. And that was just like the final evolution of that change I was describing earlier. And in that it's only $250 is the onboarding fee. And it offsets some of the administrative and sales time that I spend on, on building the relationship, but it's really kind of a bellwether to how the client is going to value our relationship to $250 is, I mean, to our clients and to, to me, it's, it's not, it's not really a meaningful sum really in the, you know, our, our relation, we have relationships that have been going on for 15 years with our clients. We've made, you know, a lot of money with, um, but it really is a bellwether to say how they're going to value our relationship. So to your point, David, the, the, the clients or the, the prospective clients and that would look at our proposal and then look at maybe the same thing with 20% shaved off of it. I'm happy to let that client go. I'm happy to let that discount shopper go um, to that person because I was that person early on in my career and this and this project that I call my my company. So you know what I do is I try to connect with people because our bright our pricing is what I call market rate. We're, we probably price competitive with you, David. And I don't really I don't really I actually publish our pricing on our website now, which is every salesperson's nightmare. I, I can't tell you many. How many people tell me like, what are you doing? Stop doing that. I said, no, I'm building and I've always built my relationships on trust, transparency and value. So while it may not serve me to tell my competitors to do that, if I'm forced by Mike to give advice to to Mike's <laughs> community of other MSPs, which are my colleagues, too, um, you know, I, I can only say that I've had success in building relationships with trust and transparency in mind. Great. Great stuff. Well, thanks, guys. I'll, and I'll give my my piece my piece of advice. And I wrote about it on LinkedIn. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Everybody, if you're listening to this uh, is is don't hunker down. <laughs> uh, did a did a quick article about the difference asking people if they're hunkering down or doubling down. And, and I'll tell you what I'm doing in my business and what I recommend everybody does is double, triple, quadruple down, work harder, do more. If you prospect, prospect twice as much, three times as much, build your pipeline, talk to more people than you talk to. Don't give up. This is, you know, I think a lot of people are, are almost caught like they're like a deer light, a deer in the headlights, right? Uh, don't give up. This is, we're going to get through this, but you got to work hard. So, that's my advice for you. And guys, David and, and Eric, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Mark. Again, thanks for everybody watching. 